Welcome, KGF family. We're glad that you're with us this morning. I'm Pastor Garth, and I know it's been a while since I've been in front of you, but it's good to be here this morning. Appreciate you joining in with us. Uh, KGF continues to grow. We have uh, two brand new babies in our church, and I'm going to actually read their names so I don't mess it up. Rosie Amalia Johnson was born to Nathan and Holly Johnson, and she's going to have uh, joining her siblings Isaac and Theo. So Isaac and Theo, well, congratulations to you. And then Benjamin Perry Losey to Matt and Louise Losey. He'll be joining his sisters Fiona and Evelyn. So you guys get to have uh, a new brother. Also, our book club is starting up again. If you're interested in joining that, uh, there's information on the newsletter. And uh, you can contact Pearl, email her at pearl at kgfchurch.com, and she'll get you registered for that. Um, wanted to explain a little bit about the shorter services that we're having during the summer, and there's a very specific purpose for that. And that's so that people have some time after the service to engage with their families or their hub groups uh, or their life groups. Uh, the questions that we're asking at the end of the service for you to continue to discuss and learn from and grow in your group together. And if you're not in a group, if you're by yourself, find somebody to phone and chat about that question. And then a watch for an email sometime over the next number of weeks uh, that will be inviting you, for those that aren't part of a life group or hub group yet, inviting you to a part gathering. Or even if you are a part of a life group or hub group, uh, you'll be invited to area parks to meet with the people in that area of town like Kettle Valley or Rutland um, or downtown. And so you'll have an opportunity to gather and get to know the people in your neighborhoods. And then lastly, um, we want to really be sensitive to some of the additional tragedies in our world right now uh, beyond even COVID because the, uh, the Beirut tragedy, that huge explosion that happened, uh, which has impacted thousands of people, and some of them relatives from our own country. So we want to be in prayer for them. We want to be in prayer also for those in the eastern states and eastern Canada that in, uh, uh, damaged their homes or their lives through uh, the storms that have gone through, and uh, many homes are without power at this very moment. So we want to keep them in our prayers. And so uh, Thank you for joining us today, and uh, I uh, really want you to be able to experience worship and communion and a time of prayer together in the Word. And may you be blessed this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, KGF family. So glad that you're tuning in with us today. Uh, just before we get started, uh, we are going to be doing some communion today at the end of the service. So uh, as we worship, you can get those elements ready. Uh, God is good. Amen. And uh, let's read this passage together from Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He, determined the, he determines the number of, of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. 
He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. So let's do that. Let's do what it says in verse 1. Let's praise the Lord together. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. And just one word, the darkness has to retreat. And just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. And just one touch. My eyes are open to see, my heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. broken inside me just one word and you revive every dream and just one touch I feel the power of heaven and just one touch my eyes are open to see my heart can't help but believe there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Let's lift up our prayers this morning. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like his power. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that he can move. Oh, praise the name makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. No, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way.
power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. This is a new song that we're going to learn today. It's called The Goodness of God.
15 seconds and just begin to thank God for what he's done for us. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your goodness and your kindness. We worship you, Lord. Each of these Sundays in the summer, we've been looking to set you up as a household or a hub, a group of people meeting wherever you are to discuss because the work of the church isn't actually about this moment that we're uh, doing for you. It's the work that you're going to do as the family of God together to live out what God is teaching us as a community in these days. So there's going to be two questions at the end of the service you're going to see. Right now, I'm just going to prep you with them. The first one is going to be, what is the most significant or mysterious, what is most significant or mysterious for you about the Last Supper that you have been chosen to participate in? So we're celebrating communion today. What's most significant or mysterious for you about it? And then the second question you're going to be asked is, what or who are the water jar people or opportunities that God is asking you to pay attention to? Who are the water jar people or opportunities that God is asking you to pay attention to? And that water jar people is going to make sense, hopefully, in just a little bit. Who would you spend your last supper with? Your best friends? Your family? It's an interesting question. It's actually a rather somber thought, if you think about it. Who gets included? Who gets excluded? And why, if you knew it was your last supper? In essence, this is exactly what Jesus was wrestling with in the gospel story that we're looking at today. And in fact, we're reenacting it as a community because we're going to celebrate communion. Jesus had a last supper. The next day, he would die. Jesus knew that on the other side of the Passover meal was a cross. And that Thursday night was a most significant night, a night that continues to be remembered, a simple yet profound meal that Christians all over the world of every ethnicity and language continue to celebrate in some form, the Last Supper. Who did he invite and why? So grab your scriptures, go to Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 26, and we have my daughter with me this morning. Jessie Wagler is in the house. Hi, Jess. Hi. All right, Jessie's going to read the story for us. It's going to be on the screen. Hopefully you can follow along. Maybe have somebody where you are read it along with Jessie or just listen to her wonderful, sweet voice. Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 26. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was a customary, customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. 
When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Thanks, Jess. You're welcome. <laughs> it's a very familiar story for those who know Jesus or have been part of the church for a while. It's a very familiar story. There's very familiar paintings about that scene on that Last Supper. But let's pay attention to a few of the details. This is the Passover. It's a celebration and a retelling of God's deliverance of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, found in the book of Exodus. It's the retelling of God's liberating power on behalf of the enslaved and had been celebrated every single year for 13 centuries by the point, by the time Jesus celebrates this one with his disciples. 1,300 years it had been celebrated every single year. A lamb was sacrificed and eaten, one per household. Unleavened bread, bitter herbs, cup of wine were consumed behind closed doors with the blood of the lamb painted on the door frames as at that very first Passover back in Egypt. This was a holy moment. It was reliving a holy story. You relived the grand deliverance with your household, your door closed, in lockdown, essentially. Rabbi Yaakov Cohen wrote this about Passover from a Jewish perspective. He says this, How can we all educate our children to true freedom? Teach them not to look at reality as defining their acts, but to look at their acts as defining reality. Let me say that again. How can we all educate our children to true freedom? We teach them not to look at reality as defining their acts, but to look at their acts as defining reality. And so the acting out of the Passover was a defining of reality. In Mark chapter 14, as Jesus and his disciples gather in this way and the entire Jewish people in Jerusalem and in, in Judea uh, gather to celebrate the Passover that year, they're under the yoke of Rome. They're oppressed again. But the Passover was a stubborn acting of the reality of being free and the hope of freedom that God the Deliverer would show up again. Passover was this revolutionary call to hope in Yahweh who saves. So in Judaism, as with that first Passover, you ate this meal with your household, your small home, locked down because of a plague that had beset Egypt 
back in Exodus chapters 11 and 12. This was your last meal under slavery. You ate quickly and ready to leave. You were a people on the move. This was reality. This was the reality that Jesus was about to celebrate for the last time. And Jesus has a plan. So not only is this the Passover, Jesus also has a plan. He's gone ahead of his disciples. They wonder where they should celebrate the Passover. Jesus says, look for the guy with the water jar. Now, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a young colt was preceded by him telling the disciples exactly what to look for. You can see that back at the beginning of Mark chapter 11. And now for the Passover, the disciples discover again that Jesus has a plan. Clearly something special was about to happen when they found that colt back in Mark chapter 11. Else why the careful plan? But now clearly something special is about to happen. Else why this careful plan? And these two events are within the same week. Jesus goes ahead of his disciples and he goes ahead of us. As KGF Church, we're moving toward forming KGF hubs in this pandemic we're in. Many KGF communities throughout our region. This is what we're working at, moving toward. COVID has thrown us a curveball, but we believe Jesus, he's gone ahead of us. And we're to look for signs of his preparation. A couple years ago, we sensed uh, new vision clarity, co-creating communities where each of us is awakened and equipped to live out the unique calling God has for us. And now we have no choice but to live as small co-creative communities in our households, in bubble sizes that we're able to be a part of or not. We don't have a choice but to live this co-creative community reality. Jesus has gone ahead of us and prepared us. Did the Israelites know what Exodus and the trip to the promised land would look like? Of course not. Did the disciples walking with Jesus know what following that man with the water jar would lead to? Of course not. But Israel had learned to trust the God who was going ahead of them and would be true to his promises. That's what actually set up the Exodus. Nine plagues where God demonstrated that he was ahead of his people and he could be trusted on the journey they were about to embark on. And the disciples had spent three years with Jesus, trusting him, learning him, they had come to the conviction that he was the son of the living God. And so off they go. Jesus goes ahead of us. Jesus has a plan. The body of Christ is not bound by buildings or pandemics. You are the body of Christ. You are the ecclesia, the church. Jesus asks us again to pay attention to what he's prepared us for, to not be afraid to risk, to walk and to follow. And we believe that relational and regional hubs of KGFers across this region who gather to fellowship and in our mission as a people of good news of the gospel. This is our invitation in this season. We can be creative in new ways like we've never been before. We don't know when COVID restrictions will change. We don't know when we can gather in our building together again, but we do know that the spirit of God is at work through the repentant followers of Jesus. And we believe God is asking us to trust him and follow him in what might be a short time or a longer time of being church in a different way. Not waiting until we can get back to the building because the building isn't what defines us, but paying attention to where the man with the water jar is leading 
and the new reality that will come alive for this time. So would you be ready to host a KGF hub with whatever size bubble you feel is doable or comfortable? We want to hear from you and equip you. Reach out to us. Call one of us as pastors. Send an email, office at kgfchurch.com. Do you sense an invitation to serve a KGF hub as a ministry leader, guiding that hub into gospel and fellowship life? We want to hear from you. Send us a note. Give us a call. Do you feel you simply can't gather with other people for very justifiable reasons because of your immune system or other reasons? We honor that. And we want to hear from you because we can perhaps bring you into a virtual KGF hub so that you're not walking alone in this season, but on mission and in fellowship with the people of God. Do you have no idea whatsoever what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, sign up for one of our KGF and conversation gatherings in August. There's two more coming one uh, next week and one toward the end of the month where we're explaining more of this and explaining of the things that we're starting to do. We're, we're already working to train leaders, to map out our church. That's been done. Make sure our database is up to date. Pastor Garth's done an amazing job pulling that together. Uh, we're going to make sure our hubs are trained to be COVID safe in line with provincial guidelines. Have you listened to our Ecclesia podcast? Pastor Joel and Marissa Burns have done a great job pulling that together. Have you listened to The End of the World as We Know It, this a side teaching series that is on our website that I put together for the summer? Check these things out. There's many ways in which we're seeking to communicate and lead our fellowship into what we believe God is moving us toward. It's actually a very exciting time. Do you wonder, though, if this is perhaps just a make-work project for bored pastors? Well, first off, we're not bored. <laughs> Second, we're deeply committed to this, and so is the KGF board. We truly believe Jesus is going ahead of us. And as, and, and as we fellowship together and learn to take this risk and focus on small, the small things, the small neighborhoods, the small relational circles we can be a part of, the gospel and good news opportunities we have in front of us. We'll be a healthier, stronger church because of moving into this direction. We believe Jesus is inviting us to follow him into a new reality. So do you see the man with the water jar too? Some have already started doing this. Some of you are already gathered like this in some way this morning. Like one young couple in our area who started to gather the people from their neighborhood or like some families who've started to meet on Sunday mornings like some of you are or like one family who arranged a kids camp at their cabin and brought an KGF leader to equip and disciple a few young people that they invited. Sure, there's lots of questions. We're trying to figure out all kinds of things, but we're never really starting something new. We're just catching up to what Jesus is still doing through his disciples, through you. Are you already part of a life group or a discipleship group? That's awesome. That's what we hope for all of our people. We want you to be connected. But only about a half of KGFers are part of a group, a discipleship group or a life group or a triad or some type of discipleship pathway. And we want that to change. We want that to expand and grow. And so how might your life group or your hub that's developing become more open, including different generations, intentionally thinking about what it means to be focused on the small radius around which you live or being on mission together. Hubs are aimed at being intergenerational and missional and regional. And so a hub doesn't replace your life group, but it may turn your life group into more than you've ever imagined. And so in the summer of 2020, 
Why would we slumber waiting for normal to return? Why would we not as the church take up the mantle for this time given to us, even if we feel we're stumbling along trying to figure it out? Well, why would we not follow the man with the water jar that Jesus has prepared? And that leads us, a little side note, back into this story in Mark chapter 14. It leads us back to what Jesus does. Let's note a few things real quickly. He does something that's actually quite disturbing. He points out that one will betray him, verses 17 to 22. And it's a sobering thought that Jesus, the Son of God, had a betrayer. All through Mark, Jesus calls for ears to hear and eyes that will see. We can hear the gospel, but not hear it. We can see Jesus at work, but not see. Judas saw all these things, and yet he betrayed. Jesus knew about the man with the water jar, and he knew about the friend who saw 30 pieces of silver of more worth than the Son of God. This inclusion in the story, it's very sobering, actually, and should be humbling as And as it did with the disciples in this room, it should cause us to wonder and to marvel. The cross is costly. The communion we share is always brittle. Always prone to our human failings and idols and impatience and pride, our sin. Communion takes work. It takes truth-telling. It requires that we stay with Jesus, that we stick together, which is really hard these days, isn't it? Our freedom from sin was won in part because of the betrayal of a friend. And that simply magnifies the majesty of the love of God all the more. He would love, he does love his enemies. He will persevere. He will not guard himself. He will go the whole road for us, even in the face of our willingness to fracture communion, which one of the 12 is willing to do. And Jesus points it out, but he doesn't stop it. Oh, the love and oh, the focus on the Father's will. Lord, give us this kind of heart. Give us this kind of love, we pray. And then Jesus retells the Passover with him at the center. Verses 22 to 26. The unleavened Passover bread broken and shared in haste in anticipation of God's freedom of his people from from slavery, is now him. The point is not the bread. It is the dispersion of the bread. A breaking is happening for freedom. And there's enough for all. And it is he who is broken. The cup at the end of the meal was shared. The cup of halal, the cup of praise. The red wine, the last drink before Exodus. The cup of freedom is now redefined. The point is not the wine. The point is the dispersion, the sharing, the new covenant, the new relationship between God and humanity that would be not only for the Jews, it would be, says Jesus, for many. What was happening in this upper room in this last supper was the beginning of what would be for many. 
Yes, my friends, for you and for me, for sinners like us, for a community like us in times like this, God has made liberation from guilt and shame and fear possible in Jesus Christ. He was broken, his blood was shed, redemption has come for the many like us in slavery, which leads us back to that first question. Who would you spend your last supper with? Now remember, the Jewish Passover was to be spent with your household. But here Jesus spends it with the 12, the holy hub he had chosen for the beginning of a new thing that he chose for his purposes. And we, as a community, we're learning to trust just like those disciples who were learning to trust. They're about to see the cross. They would flee in fear. They would be surprised by resurrection. They would be filled with the Holy Spirit. They would begin, begin proclaiming and demonstrating this new covenant, this good news for many. And they began in small groups, in house churches, in hubs, we might say, to be a people of another way, the way. Christians continually defined by this Last Supper. In the middle of this COVID summer, we reenact this moment, you and I, but it's not ritual. It's acting into a reality. Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. He is the liberator and the savior. He is alive and at work in our world in this time. He is working through his body, the church, through you to reveal himself as good news. And we celebrate this even in the smallest of circles, until he comes again. You should join me in prayer. Maybe just hold your hands open. It's a sign of surrender and praise. God, we thank you for your love for many, for all of us. For people from every tribe and language, for Jew and Gentile, rich and poor. Lord, we are so grateful Open our eyes to the man with the water jar. Open our hearts to trust you and to see in you the redefining of reality and to act our way into that reality even as we celebrate the Lord's table today. Amen.
Today, we have my dear friends, Wayne and Sherry Laurie, joining us, and they have uh, years of rich experience in uh, ministry in uh, various areas of uh, our Canada. And um, we're going to be chatting today about communion and why we practice communion as a, as a church. And Wayne, why don't we start with uh, just getting some background mm-hmm. on some of the uh, different faith traditions as to how they do communion. Okay. Well, communion was initiated by Jesus, uh, what we call the Last Supper. Um, during the uh, Passover meal, uh, Jesus paused, took bread, broke it, made a blessing, and distributed it to his disciples, saying, this is my body, this is my blood. And he asked the disciples to do this in remembrance of me. So that was the initiation of communion. The various denominations over the years and traditions have built up um, with the uh, communion or Eucharist or Mass. In the Roman Catholic Church, we have a belief in transubstantiation where the actual bread and wine turn into the body of Christ, even though... It visually looks like bread and wine. In the Reformed tradition, we recognize communion as having a special spiritual event taking place. In the Baptist and Mennonite tradition, we have an observance. We recognize a memorial event taking place where we point to Christ's sacrifice, and by participating in the communion, we are renewed in our spirit. We are all united as Christians when we take communion, and we all recognize that something special happens at communion. Mm-hmm. And Sherry, you, you have quite uh, an experience in your own story of uh, what communion means for you. Right. I think that it's probably a common experience for um, little girls who make what they call their first Holy Communion. Um, my parents were Ukrainian Orthodox, and in the... Um, town we were in, there was not a Ukrainian Orthodox church. So my parents felt that the Catholic was the closest thing to that. So they enrolled me in what they call catechism classes. So you had to study about communion before Mm. you made your first Holy Communion, which is kind of a cool thing, actually. That's actually part of my background. (laughs) It must be. So anyway, what happened was um, we were told, we had certain instructions about what it meant to be receiving Jesus into your life. The other thing was they said, whatever you do when they give you the wafer, don't let your teeth touch it because you wouldn't want to bite Jesus, Mm. right? Okay, so that was really pretty scary for a little seven-year-old girl. So Mm. here we are with the the little white veil and little white dress symbolizing purity, and sure enough, we... now they hand the wafer to you or the host 
and what then they just put it on your, your tongue, right? Mm -hmm. So dutiful, sweet little girl that I was, uh, took it into my mouth and the thing, the wafer immediately stuck to the roof of my mouth. And uh, so then when you go back and you, you bow your head and you look very solemn, this is my moment with Jesus, and he was stuck to the roof of my mouth. So I was trying, <laughs> I was trying so hard to get it off the roof of my mouth with my mm -hmm. tongue and make sure my teeth don't touch it. So it was really a stressful, stressful time. You know, mm -hmm. Got it off, it rolls up, and then you're able to swallow it. But the cool thing about it, that was one mm -hmm. thing. But then when I look back after all these years, I realized that that was probably the, my first um, time to invite Jesus into my life. Mm. So I see communion um, as something way, there's way more mystery to this stuff than just going through the, the different things I learned, lessons I learned, that something does happen when you have Holy Communion. So later on, when I was probably 21 and really received Jesus into my life, um, this memory came back to me. Mm. Mm. Neat, neat. Yeah, it was. And one of the phrases that's used in quite a number of denominations related to communion is called the words of institution. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we were sharing yesterday, that was uh, something I had never mm -hmm. heard before, but it's, it's quite common. Uh, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Well, um, Jesus uh, gave us a commandment to do communion mm -hmm. in remembrance of him. Mm -hmm. Now, there are four actions that took place at the Last Supper where Jesus had the Passover meal and set aside a time where he took bread, mm -hmm. blessed it, broke it, and then distributed it. Mm -hmm. And then he said some very unique things. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Now, the various Christian traditions have elaborated on those four points in various different ways. But when we center on communion, we center on those four things. And then we also center on the scriptures, where we take the bread. And we say the words that Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed. Mm -hmm. And he said, he took the bread and he thanked God for the bread. And he thanked God for his disciples. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. In like manner, he took the wine and he poured it out. You just pour it out. And he took the wine and he said, this is my blood was shed for you. These actions and the words from Scripture are the words of institution. Okay. Wow. Um. As you can see, Wayne and I have loved bringing the visual into communion. And like I'm, I was a pastor's wife. Maybe not that good of one, because, but <laughs> I think... You kept him in line. Because I was doing... But I think it was really important um, to see the bread actually broken and to see the wine being poured out. That meant a great deal to the visual aspect of communion. So mm -hmm. we have had a time when the bread that was given to us was still frozen, and so that led to some interesting communions. But it's, I think it's important to have the visual symbols in front of you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Especially for each of us have a uh, different way of learning and uh, experiencing mm -hmm. things. And for some people, visual is a big deal. Like uh, me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the questions might be, uh, especially for families with children, uh, who is communion for? Yeah. Well, I think that communion is for all of us who are broken and bruised, sort of bent out of shape in this world, that people who hear that Jesus is your Savior. I think it's a, a universal thing. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. This bread is broken for you. But when you talk about children, this is where, it, to me, it gets very exciting because I believe children are welcome at the table. And, but this is where the parents come in. And right now we're at this amazing thing that we call COVID, and people are watching online. And you can be with your children doing communion in your homes. And I've had people say to me when I was doing Sunday school here that kids don't understand communion. They just don't, you know? And I would say, well, what do you understand of it? <laughs> because it is, it is mystic and it's myster mysterious. We don't know what the mystery is of communion. And I think children should be able to explain communion to the best of their knowledge, their best understanding. So this is your time as parents to talk to them about what happened, you know, at the Lord's Supper and talk about what Jesus did and this was Passover and and explain it, and then as a family, you can do communion together, which I think would be just delightful. It's your chance, right? So many times in the church, we have barred people from the communion table. Do you remember they used to have communion cards? And um, you had to turn your communion card in to get into a church and to be able to do your communion. You probably don't remember that, but I've read about it, yeah. And it was really, it was really barred. You can, only do, you can only come to communion if you're a member and all this. I think this is times when the family gets together, shares the bread and the grape juice, and remembers what Jesus did. It's an amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, and at, at its essence, it's, it's a practice that... His purpose is not taking in bread or wine or, or juice. Mm -hmm. The purpose is to connect with the reality of Jesus Amen. in our lives, yep. wanting to be a part of us. He is here. When, when we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord, His Spirit is in us. Mm -hmm. And we are reminded through this practice of what He did to be able to bring the Spirit to us. Amen. So. That's really well said. So you thank you. <laughs> so thank you for being mm -hmm. with us today and uh, sharing a bit of your hearts. And uh, we just appreciate you. And uh, we look forward as, as we as families and as community uh, share these in, in our hub groups and our life groups. Um, you don't need a pastor there to do communion. No. Uh, you, you, you're sharing your hearts with each other in this symbolic way of remembering the Lord Jesus. Till he comes. Yes. Till he comes. Thank you. Amen. Uh, thank you. Thanks to Garth and Sherry and Wayne. Uh, KGF Church, we're part of the church. We call ourselves Kelowna Gospel Fellowship Church. And Wayne and Sherry opened us up to understand that all those who follow Jesus and name him as Lord come to this table. And so we come to this table uh, uniquely as a fellowship. And of course, we're dispersed all over right now. You're where you are. We're here, and uh, to be a part of the family of God is to come to this table, to follow that man with the water jar, 
and to make space for Jesus. And, and as Sherry said, this is a sign in coming to the table and taking this bread and taking this cup is this declaration that I've, I'm, I'm following Jesus. And maybe you're just learning to do that. Maybe you're just at the beginning of that journey. And today this act is you saying, I'm, I'm, I want to follow Jesus. I, 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 I need my sins forgiven. I need to be made new. And so I, I receive this as my, as my acting into a new reality. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Uh, may this again be a fresh new experience for you, a retelling of a true reality of who you are in Christ and what it means to be the body of Christ together. And so uh, we invite you to take bread and cup now, have it, have it with you as we have uh, here. Uh, and I want, I want to invite you to be silent for just, just, a, just a short while here. Just, just sit silently and close your eyes. Kids, you too, just close your eyes and just ponder these couple questions. What have you heard today that is life for your soul? And uh, what have you heard today that is an invitation into deeper community? Are there relationships you need to make right? That's a big part of being in fellowship with one another. It's what this communion is about. We come together. And so just ponder silently the preparation of your own heart. As we prepare now to break the bread and partake of that cup that Jesus shared with his disciples at that last supper, I want to invite you to read with me. There's going to come some words on the screen here. There'll be a few of these uh, over these next few moments as we walk through the communion service together. Uh, read along with us as you see these words. Are you ready? You are holy God. And blessed is our Lord Jesus Christ. Your spirit descended upon him and he proclaims good news to the poor, heals the sick, feeds the hungry, cavorts with sinners and liberates the captives. His life gave birth to the church through a new covenant born of the Holy Spirit whose power dwells within us today. Listen, church, this is our God and who he has prepared and chosen us to be. We are his people for this time and this place. And we're declaring that this God of the universe who created all things and then saw that creation ruined by sin and rebellion of those that he made in his image, that he has come, he has dwelt among us, God with us, and his body was broken, his blood was shed. Sin and death are overcome. A new reality has come. Church, this is our God. So let us stay rooted as a people, thrilled to be invited to this Last Supper. Participate with me in this reading. On the night in which he gave himself over, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
After dinner, he took the cup of thanks and gave thanks and said, this is my, the blood of the new covenant poured out for many. Drink from it in remembrance of me. This bread is made from many grains, from many fields, yet was formed into a single loaf. Because there is one God, we, though many, and in many places, are one body. Join us as we partake in the body of Christ in remembrance of him. The body of Christ given for you. You can break the bread where you are. Uh, encourage somebody in your household, a parent, somebody of your hub, take leadership. Break this bread. Share it. Disperse it in the way Jesus did on that night. The body of Christ given for you. And now let's read again. The fruit of the vine is made by many hands from many places, yet pours freely. Join us as we share in this blessing of the cup of the new covenant, the cup of blessing poured out for you and for many. And so we take this cup and in your household, uh, maybe you want to pass it around and, and drink together or you've dispersed it among many cups, that's fine. Uh, Jesse and I are going are gonna to dip our bread to eat. Church, let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your incredible love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your obedience and faithfulness and for going to the cross and rising from the dead. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill us and that you make us new. Thank you for your church, Lord Jesus, the body of Christ. Thank you for brothers and sisters in the family of God. Make us one as you, Father, Son, and Spirit, are one. Let's eat and drink together. Let's close our time together today with two questions for you. I prompted you on this way back when we began looking at Mark chapter 14 a few minutes ago. Uh, these two questions for you in your household or hub, because remember, we're really longing for you in your hub, in your household, the people that you're with, to now spend time uh, in conversation, building relationships, sharing your hearts, getting serious about following Jesus together and then encouraging one another on toward love and good deeds, gospeling and fellowshipping as the people of God. Here's those two questions. What is most significant or mysterious for you about this last supper that you have been chosen to participate in? And the second question, who are water jar people or opportunities that he's asking you to pay attention to? These two questions love for you to participate in them, discuss and converse together. And uh, God bless you as you head into this week. Church, you're loved.
This world is loved. Now go and be a people of the King. Welcome, KGF family. We're glad that you're with us this morning. I'm Pastor Garth, and I know it's been a while since I've been in front of you, but it's good to be here this morning. Appreciate you joining in with us. Uh, KGF continues to grow. We have uh, two brand new babies in our church, and I'm going to actually read their names so I don't mess it up. Rosie Amalia Johnson was born to Nathan and Holly Johnson, and she's going to have uh, joining her siblings Isaac and Theo. So Isaac and Theo, well, congratulations to you. And then Benjamin Perry Losey to Matt and Louise Losey. He'll be joining his sisters Fiona and Evelyn. So you guys get to have uh, a new brother. Also, our book club is starting up again. If you're interested in joining that, uh, there's information on the newsletter. And uh, you can contact Pearl, email her at pearl at kgfchurch.com, and she'll get you registered for that. Um, wanted to explain a little bit about the shorter services that we're having during the summer, and there's a very specific purpose for that. And that's so that people have some time after the service to engage with their families or their hub groups, uh, or their life groups, uh, the questions that we're asking at the end of the service for you to continue to discuss and learn from and grow in your group together. And if you're not in a group, if you're by yourself, find somebody to phone and chat about that question. And then a watch for an email sometime over the next number of weeks uh, that will be inviting you, for those that aren't part of a life group or hub group yet, inviting you to a park gathering, or even if you are a part of a uh, life group or hub group, uh, you'll be invited to area parks to meet with the people in that area of town like Kettle Valley or Rutland um, or downtown. And so you'll have an opportunity to gather and get to know the people in your neighborhoods. And then lastly, um, we want to really be sensitive to some of the additional tragedies in our world right now uh, beyond even COVID because the, uh, the Beirut tragedy, that huge explosion that happened, uh, which has impacted thousands of people, and some of them relatives from our own country. So we want to be in prayer for them. We want to be in prayer also for those in the eastern states and eastern Canada that in, uh, uh, damaged their homes or their lives through uh, the storms that have gone through, and uh, many homes are without power at this very moment. So we want to keep them in our prayers. And so uh, Thank you for joining us today, and uh, I uh, really want you to be able to experience worship and communion and a time of prayer together in the Word, and may you be blessed this day, in Jesus' name, amen.